Morning. How's everybody doing? All right. So again, um, my name is uh, my name is Justin, and uh, this lovely lady on the front row over here is Mandy. And then many of y'all saw our son running up and down the aisles and jumping off of everything, even the stage yesterday when we were visiting. So, uh, but we, I thank you for letting us come this morning to. Um, to share with what with you what what the Lord's doing through through us um, in Zambia, we have been in uh, in Zambia a total of three years. Um, Tony, Pastor Tony, was right. Last time I was here was actually less than a month after we returned from our first year on the field, and um, I wasn't expecting you to even let me do anything. So don't feel bad about that. Um, we were here to listen to Jay preach. If it, you know, if it, we all want to be honest. Um, but uh, many of you know who Jay Shug is. He's been here a couple of times, uh, you know, preaching to y'all. Y'all have heard him at Mission Focus, you know, heard him at, you know, other various places. He is actually the, uh, the man that led me to Christ and discipled me. And um, I know y'all, uh, as a church, you know, are very heavily in discipleship. And I just want to reiterate how important that is, how important that was in my life, and how important it can be in your life. I know you y'all started the cost of discipleship this morning, and you know it's just a it's something. It's one of those things, you know, just short of accepting Christ as my Savior that changed my life. And uh, so I just want to encourage you if you're not involved in that, uh, that's that was all free. That was nothing that I had planned. But uh, again, this is um, our family. Um, myself and David and Mandy, and then you can see um, up on the top left, uh, David's little friend, uh, Cassie, and then on the bo- bottom left is how he spent most of his Sunday mornings, you know, sitting on the, uh, on the, the steps of the uh, pulpit, you know, when I was either when I was preaching or when I wasn't, you know, he was, uh, he was there with his little friends, and uh, he, just like um, Pastor Tony said, he never meets a stranger, which made him adapt to the culture of Zambia much better than his mother and I. And, um, you know, but that's also, a, you know, a, a privilege that he has of moving over there for the first time at 14 months old. That's really all he knew. Um, he didn't know what America was until we got back here in September. So um, the logistics, or not logistics, the statistics um, over the past two years, since I've been here the last time, we, uh, in the ministry that we joined when we went back to Zambia, there has been 286 people come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And um, with those, those 286, those were individual people that either met with myself or my wife or one of the other uh, ministry partners that we had and was able to go, with, go through the, the Bible with them and, um, you know, make them have assurance of their salvation. There was uh, three churches planted. What that means is physical buildings built. I know the building is not the church, but much like us Americans, we, we hardly ever go to a church that doesn't have a building. Um, I was very encouraged when Pastor Tony said that since the last time I was here and y'all got, had to leave your, the, the place y'all were renting at, that y'all kept going under a tree. And I'm like, man, that is, I've done it in Zambia, 
but that is hardly ever done in America. And uh, that, that was super encouraging when he told me that. Uh, but three churches planted, three men that were trained to be over those flocks of people. And um, four additional Bible studies were, were started. Now that's uh, preaching points through the week that we have. They may become churches and they may not. We don't ever force them to do anything because if we force them to do something, the minute the Westerner leaves, they're going to go do whatever they want to. And uh, so we, those are Bible studies that are still currently going um, and still, still meeting, you know, and prayerfully they will become a, a church one day. So these are three of the men that, uh, that were, are part of that 286. And I want to tell you a story about the, the one on your, on your left. His name is Joseph. So Joseph was, uh, he actually lives in, a ta- in the town called Livingston, so we live, the past two years, we've been in the village and um, where we ministered and everything, we lived amongst the people. And um, so we had to drive two hours to go to uh, the nearest grocery store, the nearest fuel station, everything in your mind that you have to, to go to get supplies for your daily lives, we had to drive two hours to go get it. And uh, so we were in town, in the, in the town of Livingston, and... Um, I had dropped our vehicle off to get serviced, and I was walking back uh, to the place we were staying at, and uh, this guy, Joseph, came walking up beside me, and he was asking for peace work, which is just daily work that most people in Zambia or, you know, Africa in general do to get their daily wage to, to be able to live. You know, we didn't live in town, so I didn't have anything, so I did the Christian thing, and I asked him, you know, where do you, where do you go to church? Or do you, do you know Jesus? Yes, yes. You know, he told me what church he went to. And I had everything on my mind that day that I had to get done. I don't know if any of y'all are like that, where you get a one-track mind. And, you, know, we, you know, we were there for a day and a half, and we had to get supplies for three weeks. So I'm like, I got to go here and here and here and here and here. Well, so I did that, and I turned and walked to the place we were staying at. And I don't know if the Holy Spirit has ever almost verbally talked to you. But that day he did me, he said, when I turned and walked to, started walking to the house, he said, why are you even here? And immediately, I knew that I had messed up. I knew that I had failed. And as odd as it looks for a large American guy to run after a Zambian, that's what happened that morning. And I chased him down. And, you know, I said, I, I said I've, got a, I've got a couple of more questions for you. And I said, if you had died last night, where would you be at this morning? And he said, well, I hope heaven. I said, well, why do you hope? Well, I'm still working on my relationship with God. And from, from that response, I knew that he wasn't saved. I knew he did not know Christ as his savior. So I got my phone out just because I didn't have my Bible with me. And I, I, I turned to the Romans road and went through that with him on the side of the road. And he had never heard that before. He was a guy that sat right here at his church and played the drums. And he had never heard the gospel through the Romans before. So I, I walked him through that. He accepted Christ as his Savior. I told him he needed to leave the church he was in and, and go to another church that, that we are affiliated with in, in Livingston um, to where he could, he could grow, he could be discipled, he could, you know, be helped in his relationship with Christ. 
And, uh, I mean, he is there right now. As far as I know, he's continued to go. Now, these are three other, other people, and it says in Romans 10, 14, How then shall they call on him in, who have they, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without preacher? You know, the preacher here is not talking about the man that stands up here behind the pulpit. It's talking about all of us as born-again believers in Jesus Christ outside of the four walls of this church. It's, it's the Jerusalem that Pastor Tony was talking about just a minute ago. And, and the reason I tell you the, the previous story about Joseph is to let you know even the people with vocational ministry fail as well. We fail, I fail, and, and, and it's, it's how you go forward from that 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 what is what God, what, how God looks at it. It's how can you learn from those failures. It doesn't matter if you're in Iola, Decatur, Alabama, Zambia, or New Zealand. It doesn't matter as long as you go forward sharing the gospel and obeying. So this is, uh, I want to show, share with you a little bit about Mandy's uh, ministry. If she was up here, she would tell you that her first ministry is David and I. And the reason for that is that is what, in the marriage relationship, that's what she's called to do. That is her first ministry. But what she is also involved in is, is the ladies and, and also the children. So the, the ladies' ministry that she had is she, uh, she went and, and gathered a couple of uh, different churches and, and, and brought them together of ladies that wanted to grow deeper in the Word. And uh, she did this on Thursdays. And, and to begin with, she just asked them questions, you know, just different things. And, and she understood that they knew about the stories of Joseph. They knew about the story of David. They knew about the story of, of Jesus and of Daniel. But they had no idea how to put it together. They had no idea how or why the Old Testament was put together the way it was, how or why the whole Bible was put together the way it was. So she was able to, to write a, a curriculum of, of creation to Christ and, and go through, it took a little over a year and went over that with them, all the while taking a couple of those ladies and, and, and discipling them even further to be able to take that information, take that uh, teaching and go back to their churches. You know, she, these are three of the ladies that, uh, three of them that she had discipled, I believe the total was seven that she individually did. Um, and the one on the left is uh, the, the headman's wife, uh, Lillian. And uh, headman in a village is kind of like the mayor. You know, he's just the one that kind of, you know, politically makes sure everything's done and things like that. Uh, the one in the middle, her name is uh, Mary. She is the second uh, wife to a man. You know, where we were, where we were at uh, in Zambia, uh, polygamy is rampant. I could go into a village and I can almost guarantee 50% of the men have multiple wives. You know, I've seen anywhere from two to upwards of seven wives uh, to these men. And it's just a cultural thing that they've done for generations. And to be able to break them of that is very difficult. And it's also difficult to be able to, to identify and, and train a pastor out of those villages because obviously that's one of the criteria, one of the, you know, one of the qualifications of a bishop as the husband of one wife. And um, the one on the, on the right, her name is Malaya. 
It's one of Mandy's uh, translators, uh, not only with, uh, you know, verbally, but, but writing and, you know, really kind of stood by her while she was teaching. And she also discipled her to continue discipling other women because that's really all, that's what it's all about is reproducing yourself in someone so they can go and do it again. And uh, that's what she did uh, in that. These are just two more of the women that um, Muila on the left, Memory on the right, that, uh, that she discipled. And, um, you know, just pouring into the women um, because that's very rare that that happens on the mission field. The, the men and the pastors get a lot of attention, but the, the women rarely get focused on directly. And that's what Mandy was able to do while we were there um, these past two years. Uh, these two uh, um, different pictures right here, that's two of the churches that were planted uh, since we were there. Uh, there's a total in the ministry of 15. Um, tw- 12 of those were already there when we arrived, and uh, we were able to help with three additional ones in the past two years. Uh, the one on the left is Samuba uh, Baptist Church, and uh, the gentleman in the red, white, and blue there, that's the, the pastor. And the one on the bottom right is uh, Wachilla Baptist Church. And um, I don't want you to think this is our normal congregation, because uh, that's not it. Uh, I just, the only picture I had of that church was when we were doing a dedication ceremony, and there's about 700 people there that night. Um, but that's not our normal congregation. I didn't want you to think that, you know, man, they got a ton of people coming. Normally, it's about 50 to 80 um, people in the, in the typical village church. So, uh, and my role when I was there these past two years was to take the, the pastors that were already there and help them grow in their relationship with Christ and help them with their church, and then also train the, the new ones that came along um, in that discipleship and, and going through, you know, discipleship too, and a lot of the information and, and, and classes that you're very well aware of. You know, I just took the information that we had that we did at Decatur Baptist and shifted it there and taught them. And um, so we, we went to a different church about every week and uh, where I was either preaching or helping the pastor in what he was uh, talking about, what he was preaching on, or in, and things like that. Another way that I helped the, the pastors is we did quarterly pastors' conferences. Uh, this was one, the, the last one that we were able to do, which was in May uh, of last year. And uh, actually, Jay Shug and brought a team over. And uh, for four days, we did a, a pastor's conference on the book of Acts. And he went verse by verse through the book of Acts in four days. And it was, as you could imagine, like drinking from a fire hose. Um, but that was also on purpose. I meant for that to happen because when they, when they left... I was able to take that same curriculum and reteach it to them because I met with each one of those men, either the pastor or the leader of the church every week. And I don't know about you, but I always learn more the second time I hear it. So that's my, that was my goal is to, is to reteach that material uh, so they could actually understand why the book of Acts is there and also why 80 to 90% of everything that's preached and taught that's heretical comes out of that book, and, you know, and why the Lord has that book in, our, in the Bible. So that's what we were able to do. Uh, these are three of the, three of the pastors that, um, that we, or that I was been able to help over the, 
the past couple of years. The one on the left, his name is Obed. And if you go out to our table uh, after, you'll, you'll see some knives that are sitting there. And those are the ones that, uh, the knives that he made. And, um, you know, I was able to help him with some, uh, just help him with his family and being able to, to get him another source of income. You know, as you can imagine, these men out in the village, they, they, all they know is farming. You know, Pastor Tony and I have talked about, you know, the, the different, you know, things that are coming up about, about farming, how to help them. But some of these men just, they, they need to have something else. Well, with him, um, you know, one of the days he, he came to me or I asked him a question, which you probably should never do this. I asked him, I said, so what kind of problems are you having? <laughs> that was the wrong thing to ask. But, you know, the, obviously it was the Holy Spirit that put it on me to, to ask that because he started telling me about problems that he was having. He start, and really, he said, the church is good. But, you know, it, the, the, past, the, the previous year to when I was talking to him, his, his crops didn't do well and, and his cow died. You know, and th- those are things that, that, that are very, very influential, very helpful to them to have is the cow and, and the crops, and that's, that's their livelihood. And uh, he said, my, my family is pressing on me to go to town to get piecework. He said, but, the, but I know the Lord does not want me to do that because I have to leave the church. And he said, I know he doesn't want me to do that. He's like, I just don't know how to make it. And I noticed that he, he was making some axes and some hoes, and he had a couple of knives. And I told him, I said, if you make me some of those, I will take them to town to try to get them. It, Livingston is a, is a tourist town because um, Victoria Falls and, and some other things that are there. So I took them and was able to get him an outlet to be able to just make those and send them to town to sell them. So he now has another form of income that he is able to be able to concentrate on, on the church, be able to concentrate on leading the flock that the Lord has put in, put in, his, in his responsibility. You know, he has a very large family. This is actually an old picture. He's got three other kids and one more on the way. So he has a very large family that he has to take care of, which is common in, in Zambia and in African cultures. Uh, but the one on the top right, his name is uh, Pastor Daka, and then on the one on the bottom right, his name is uh, Pastor Peter, um, who, was, who is the pastor of that church that had all those people in there. You know, so also what we did, um, we did, obviously, when you're there, your, your main goal is evangelism, discipleship, planting churches. That is our main goal. But in that, you have humanitarian stuff that you, you do. The, the picture of the, the kids in the blue that's a, a local school that was literally just a couple of kilometers from our house. We would take them supplies when they became available or when we was able to. Um, you know, I shared with you that we have to go two hours to get fuel. So I had to start being, you know, getting used to getting fuel from this, uh, this guy on the side of the road when I, when I had to, you know, when I wasn't able to get to town to, to do that. And the one on the top, top left is uh, something that it... Uh, my colleague that we, we that we joined the ministry, he had been doing, um, but he was he would build caskets for children that died in the village. And shortly after we arrived, there was a, a man that came up, and his little eight month old daughter died in the village. And um, 
it was very difficult to begin with because I was sitting here helping build this casket with my 14-month-old son sitting right next to me. And um, we, would put the, we would build them, put the, take them to the house, put the body in them, and so they could bury the, the child. Because as you can imagine, doesn't matter if it's a child or adult, they buried them very quickly. Um, got them in the ground if the same day, if not the, the very next day. Another thing that we did was uh, um, we, we put, was able to, from churches in America, raise money to put benches in each one of the churches. Um, normally, we would not do this um, because our philosophy is we, we help them little because if they have buy-in, if they have basically sweat equity in the game, they will take care of their, um, their, their church better. Well, this little girl actually is the reason why we did this project. Um, she came into church one, one morning, and uh, the typical Zambian or, or African, doesn't matter if it's Malawi or whatever, is, is, a, is lo- normally a log, and maybe it's propped up by two bricks, or, or it's just a log sitting on the ground. Well, she came in and sat down on the log and put her hand behind it, and she got bit by a cobra on her hand. That's why, it's, you know, she's, that's why she's got her hands up. Um, but we were, they were able to get her to the, the nearest clinic to get antivenom to where it didn't kill her, but she did lose some of her fingers. Um, but, you know, our, my colleague and I was like, well, we've got to do something. And so we raised money to put the, the benches in the church. You know, not, a, not that the benches will keep the snakes out, but at least they can have something proper to sit on and be able to see under there. Um, another thing that we, d- we do is, you know, dig boreholes, which is a deep water well. Um, that's a, that was what your typical village would be getting water out if they don't have one of those. You know, you have, they get their, you know, they bathe out of it. They get their drinking water and their cooking water out of, out of that hole. Uh, the sticks are over it to keep the animals out. And, um, but we try to sink a water, uh, a borehole at uh, each church location you know, as the funds um, arise and as they come in, to kind of give you an idea of how deep you have to go, the one that's, uh, that's at our house is 90 meters deep. So the length of a football field down in the ground to be able to get clean uh, water um, out of there to where you can, where you can utilize it. Uh, the one on the right, that's how uh, those, those Bible studies that I was explaining, that's how we got into those villages. Uh, we were showing the Jesus film which for those of you that aren't aware of what that is, it's the, it's the life of Christ and then the, the death, burial, and resurrection. And it is, you know, it is like a bad Japanese film because it's in Tonga, but it's originally in English. So the words and the mouth don't match, but they love it. Uh, they, they come out and just like the, the dedication ceremony for the church, you know, they, they're not, they don't get that a lot. So it, it, they come from miles around. You know, we'll have anywhere from 200 to, and we've had a couple of thousand people show up, and they're seeing the gospel played out on, on film. And, um, you know, that's one of the ways that we are able to get into these, these villages. So once we do that, and then they'll, they'll tend to invite us back, and that's when we'll start a Bible study in that village, and, um, and then we'll go from there. Usually what I would do is I would take the, the curriculum that Andy wrote and the creation to Christ and uh, share, go- share the gospel, salvation, eternal security, um, you know, and baptism. And then I would start from the beginning and explain to them why they even need that. 
and uh, the, the reason for uh, the, that Christ came and, and died for our sins. And um, then I'll, the one on the bottom right is something that uh, it was a, actually a baby dedication that we were doing. Um, and obviously, when the missionary comes to the church and they have one of those, they want us to do them. Uh, the first time I did this, um, I, I realized, because there is a, a, a religion there, uh, it's called New Apostolic, that believes sprinkling babies seals them. And there's many people in the village and, and throughout sub-Saharan Africa that believe that being sprinkled and being sealed as a baby is what, what saves them. So when I was asked to do this for the first time, I understood that, and I would, if, as long as David was with me, I would pull him on stage or on the, in the pulpit, and I would explain to them that we did this as at, when David was small, and we, all this is is basically the mother and father dedicating and promising to, to raise this child in the ways of the Lord. And uh, so we did it, and the first time that I, that I did this, in, in, their, in their culture, you usually have like some older women that would be lined up over here um, on, the, on the side. So, you, you know, I do the dedication, I pray for the baby, and then I, I come over here and hand it to the first woman. And then when I did that the first time, I, I handed her off, or handed the baby off, and as soon as I did, the lady started throwing the baby up in the air and shaking it, and they would, re- you know, singing and dancing. And I'm like, what in the world are you doing? You're going to kill this kid. And, uh, you know, I just, it, you know, it took me back. I'm like, why are you doing this? And I was thinking, it, I mean, if you were in America, you would definitely be arrested at this point. <laughs> but obviously, it was part of their culture. It was part of what, you know, realizing that it was just something that they did, and, and it ha- didn't go against the, the Bible, and just to, to let it happen. You know, it's something that you realize when you're on the mission field is, you know, I typically say you're not in Kansas anymore, but yeah, it's, I'm actually in Kansas this time. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, you know, it, it's, you're not in America anymore. You're not in your culture. You know, Pastor Tony and I was talking about stories that he had and that I had the other night about coming to that realization that you're not in your own culture anymore and how to handle that. Um, but that was one of the, the, one of the things that, that we uh, experienced. The, so as you can imagine, we try to get David involved as much as we possibly can. You know, there's a lot of things in America that he misses. A lot of things that, that I grew up doing that he's not able to do. But there's so many more things that he is able to do that I wasn't. And we try to capitalize on that as much as we possibly can. This is uh, just some things that, you know, he was able to give some gifts out to the pastors at one of those pastors conferences during Christmas that we had. Um, then you had the, uh, you know, we, we would go down to the local, you know, borehole from our house and uh, just hang out with them. And, you know, he loved to pump the to, to pump the water and, and, and do that. As, for those of you that have met him, you know he is very energetic. Um, so he, he loves doing that stuff. And they love seeing him. Missionaries often get seen on the mission field, the, the adult ones. But it's very rare that the children go out to the, go out to the village. And they love seeing here. They don't often see, you know, Western children and uh, so we tried to get him in, in, involved as much as we possibly could in that aspect. 
So uh, I, as, as I shared with you, the, my, goal, my role was to the pastors and the leaders. So I identified a couple of the, the pastors when I first got there because I knew we would be coming back on furlough. Um, and I didn't want what we were doing to stop. You know, so I tried to reproduce myself in them, which I, which I did. And because I knew we were coming back here, but the Lord actually had something else in, pl- in mind um, for us when we, came, when, we were, when we were leaving. So when we go back to Zambia, we will actually be relocating to a town uh, called Mfue. And what we'll be doing is we'll be planting a church in, in the town of Mfue. And there's a huge need to plant a doctrinally sound church in that town. Uh, there's a heavy influence of, of Islam that's coming in from Malawi going, going west and a heavy influence on a charismatic um, belief of the, you know, the name it and claim it gospel that, that many of you are, are aware of. And so the town's population is roughly 60, 59 to 60,000 people. And then there is just under 1 million people in the province, so that the yellow, I know it's kind of hard to see, but the yellow is, um, is the actual province that there's just short of a million people. So there's several main cities in that province of Muchinga, um, of only one of them having a doctrinally sound ministry in it, and it's that very top yellow dot that you see. So our plan is to start a, a church, plant a church and a ministry in the very most southern city and work our way up from there. Training men out of this city or out of this church to then go to these other yellow dots, but also service the villages that surround those. And so uh, that's the goal um, that we have. The, the blue on the other side, that's a, a, you know, you can call that like phase five. Um, but uh, there's a lot to be done before, it go, before we go over there. But that's another uh, province called Luapula that has 1.5 million people in it that is equally as, as not reached and that not anybody there actively reaching them with the, with, the, with the doctrine that we would believe as true. So what I wanna do right now, um, right quick, is I wanna show you how the Lord uh, led us to, to move. You know, my, Pastor Joe at Decatur Baptist, he would say, to move ministries, you need an open door, you need scripture, and you need the approval of leadership. So I want to, right quick, and show you how that, that has happened in our life. You know, it's, so I want to read uh, Acts 8, verses 26 through 31. If you want to, turn that, want to turn there right quick. It says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go towards the south unto the way that goeth uh, down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all of her treasure, had come down to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit, Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except a man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. So 
you know, I have a, you know, just a challenge for you this morning. What is the Lord asking you to do? There's always a specific reason why he's asking us to do something. You know, we see in the previous verses that Philip was already sharing the gospel. We see in the verses four through eight previously that Philip was proclaiming the gospel in Samaria before he is told to, by the Holy, Ghost, or Holy Spirit to minister to the Ethiopian eunuch. He's, hold, he's, he's having a revival in, in Samaria and the Holy Spirit tells him to go. Philip is already doing the work that when the Lord or when the Holy Spirit told him to go. And then if you see in verse 30, it says Philip ran. Philip ran to go do what he, what he said. So when we were in Mfue, we went back in July and scouted it out. And there were three people, you know, during our walking up and down the streets, just seeing what, the, what they had there that, that accepted Christ as their Savior. You know, they were, uh, two of them were a new apostolic. One of them was a, a, was a Catholic. And they had never, just like Joseph earlier, they had never heard the gospel out of the book of, uh, book of Romans. So there's always a reason why the Lord asks us to, or ask you and I to do something. You know, the, the verses that, that uh, the Lord used to, to get us on the field originally was that in Acts 16, verses 6 through 10. And it says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and were the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they would come down to Messiah, they aside to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Messiah came down to trials, and a vision appeared unto Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after, that, after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. See, originally when, when we were praying about going to Zambia, God showed me that Paul did not sit back and wait on the doors to open for him to walk through. In these verses, you see twice, it says the Spirit suffered him not. And then he goes over here, the Spirit suffered him not. And then finally, it's where the Holy Spirit wanted him to go. You know, I don't know about y'all in the Midwest, but in sweet Decatur, Alabama, you know, I often hear this inside the church growing up. I'm just sitting and waiting on the Lord to open up a door for me. Oftentimes, it's with their arms crossed just like this. You know, he shared a minute ago that the Lord uses people that are doing something and then moves them. So he, so we, he pursued the doors and let the, let the Holy Spirit either keep them open or shut them. So when this door opened up for us to plant a church in, in Fue, this was even further out of our comfort zone. We'd been there in uh, Zambia totally of three years, but where we were currently at, we had been there two years. You know, showed you, you know, ministry that we've been doing and, and men and women that we've been training, friends that my son has, has, has made. And now the Lord's moving us to a different place. But it is clear that the Lord is leading us to, to plant the new church and ministry in, in Muchinga province by planting the model church. You know, having, you know, key men, key cities, and key resources. Having churches plant churches. So this is an open door, 
and we got to keep moving. You know, my, my life verse that I have is, is Proverbs 16, 9. It says, the man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord will direct, or the Lord directeth his steps. It is very difficult for the Lord to direct our steps when we are standing still. Because just like he is not gonna break your free will to, for you to accept Christ as, 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 his, as your savior, he's not gonna break your free will to serve him. It's, it's when you step towards him that it, it makes it easier for him to guide you. Now we can remember back in Acts 8, verse 30, it said that Philip ran to the Ethiopian. Philip was definitely letting the Lord direct his steps. The question we need to ask ourselves, are we? Are we doing that daily? Are we letting the Lord direct our steps with the way we, the way we live our daily lives, the way we are in our Jerusalem every day? So I'm gonna close with this, and it's a very common um, missions verse. You know, I was preaching a missions conference in, uh, in uh, Livingston um, in June, right before we came, or shortly before we came back. And you know, when you're preaching a missions conference, you're gonna use Acts 1-8. Well, that's obviously what I was gonna use, but the, but the Lord kept talking to me like, what is your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth? So let me read it for those of you that may not uh, know what it says. It says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Notice the verse says, and, not or. So this church I know is involved in missions, talking to Pastor Tony and just knowing the, some of the history of it. You know, and you're involved in your local community and your, you know, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. But where are you involved personally? Because this is the same question that the, the Holy Spirit was, you know, was convicting me of. Because I may be what you would consider in the uttermost parts of the earth, but I moved there. That's my Jerusalem. So now where is my Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts of the earth? Because my address changed, my Bible didn't. So I just challenge you this morning to, to self-reflect. Your church is doing great, but where are you personally at? So I just want to thank you again for letting us come. And this is how you can uh, keep up with us. Um, you can take a picture of that if you want to, or all of that information is on our prayer cards out front. And I just, again, wanted to thank you and Pastor Tony for letting us come in and share with you what the Lord has been doing over the past several years. Thank you very much.